My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very sombre morning here in the capital as Russia finally launched its military operation in Ukraine, much to the devastation of European leaders. But hopefully joining us on the show today to add a little bit of brightness to affairs in these dark times is Claire Freeth, the owner of Little Burroughs Montessori Nursery, operating across two sites in Surrey. Uh, Claire, very warm welcome to yourself this morning and by all means, thank you for joining us on the programme today. Um, good morning to you. I think I put myself in the category of industry that keeps the country going rather than run it. Exactly right. But it is that future generation that's going to be hopefully running the uh, the country one day, isn't it, I suppose? And uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's always very rewarding, isn't it? Sort of bringing that next generation through and something we're very passionate about. And you've been sort of in this line of work uh, since 2001 with your own business. I think you started Little Burrows around about then, didn't you, Claire? Um, I was interested to understand just initially what the motivation was behind going into that and opening that sort of business for yourself. What really made you sort of want to pursue that as your passion? Right. I, I, I would say it is, is my passion, but it was very much that, and I think this would be for many women um, with children, it, I needed something that fitted in with my children. Um, so I had um, been in retail before that, and of course the hours of retail um, don't allow you to um, pick up your own children or go to their sports days. So, but for me, it was I needed something that would allow me um, to primarily be a mum to my own children while having to support support them as well. So that that was the, the lead into it. Um, it was to fit school hours yep certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective and just for some of those younger listeners that may be tuning into the program today who may sort of have a little bit of an entrepreneurial mindset um it is your first and only company um what sort of based upon your experiences would be your key pieces of advice to any young people um young budding entrepreneurs wanting to start a business to really sort of get on that initial road to success I think it's find something that you are passionate about. Um, it, it's finding that thing that interests you. You know, I, I never wake up in the morning and think, oh, I don't want to go into work today. Um, because it is challenging. And when, when you're starting up, certainly for myself, you know, it took quite a few years before I was able to take a salary. So obviously, if you're, if you're going to start at your own business, find something that really excites you mm. and makes you want to turn up every morning and do the extra hours because believe me when you're starting up your own business you are doing a lot of extra hours so you know my passion that was working with children and you know starting up the nurses allowed me to do that but then it's all the add-ons that you know are, are not qualified or have any experience on like making a website like doing the accounts. I mean, my poor accountant every year has to shout at me to get the receipts out of the shoebox and get them into some order so that he can do the accounts. And I think, you know, when you're a business owner, it's all those extra things. You know, I do my job and I love my job, but then there's another whole job to do that is my area of expertise. Mm. 
that's it, isn't it? And I suppose that's where it's incredibly important to sort of surround yourself with people who are sort of better than you in those aspects, people who can really help. Um, I suppose leaders are only really as effective as the team that they assemble around them. And that's also incredibly important, as well as that devotion to sort of putting those extra hours in and not expecting overnight success. As you said, it's all about sort of a building process, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, and it is also recognising that um, you have to, for example, you have to pay money to get a website up and running. Um, whereas, you know, your whole heart is saying, you know, I want to find more resources for the nursery. So it, it's about recognising that you have a business and actually you are responsible um, for, you know, staff and et cetera. But within that, you know, you can't just plow all your resources into the nursery. You know, you have to spread them. You have to budget. Um, and that, I would say that's been very, very important to make sure there are those pots of money available for advertising, training, you know, all those extra things. It's very true, isn't it, that sort of cash is king and it's difficult, isn't it, in your line of work uh, where funding is very difficult and where obviously funding from the states especially is not necessarily up to scratch. And even though essentially you do operate as a private provider, I mean, the earliest free education grant is obviously a help, but it's still far below the actual cost of delivery, isn't it? So it is difficult trying to balance the books in such conditions. Yes, and I I think there's a a lack of understanding about that. The um, funding that the government give us, um, but those listeners that, that don't know, every child in this country after the age of three is entitled to 15 hours of free education. It's not free. It has mm. to be paid for. And as a private provider, and you know, the nursery industry is run by private providers. There are very little state nurseries in this country. So we really are the foundation um, to children's education. You know, I, I am often told, oh, you know, you're a nursery teacher, you play with Plato all day. You know, no, I don't. Mm. You know, I am teaching children. You know, you can't learn to do adding and subtracting until you've learnt your numbers. And it's with us that that takes place. But my real issue is with this this notion that we have free education in this country. We don't. And unfortunately, it's the nursery industry that has to carry that cost because the funding is below um, what it takes to deliver good quality education and care in this country. Um, not only the 15 hours free entitlement, which we have to charge a top up to, and that's very difficult when parents obviously can't afford it. But, you know, I have to pay the staff. I have to pay um, the rent, the telephone and all those things. Um, whereas parents, have this expectation that they've got 15 hours of free education. Mm. But also it's the grants for the children that need that extra support. You know, we do a lot of work with children who have social work involvement. There's no funding for that. So, you know, I have to attend a lot of meetings. We have to do a lot of extra support. Uh, And that's taken by the government that that's just for free. And it isn't. There is a cost to me. Mm. And special educational needs children are increasing you know over my 20 plus years of being in education the need to provide um, specialist and it is specialist education for 
children with, mm. for example, autism, it is now a given. Um, and again, the funding, you know, isn't isn't adequate enough. And also, we're not a specialist provision. You know, I have a teaching degree, mm. but I don't have uh, an in-depth knowledge of autism, for example, or global delay, or many of the specialist um, needs that children have nowadays. And it's not just the odd child. You know, it is a growing um, difficulty within our sector. And definitely is something that needs looking at quickly mm. because we are at breaking point on that. Certainly so. The entire situation with funding for that early year sector, it's been exacerbated by the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, hasn't it? And that's obviously thrown an awful lot of other operational challenges at you, I imagine, over the last uh, couple of years. Um, how has it been for you navigating that challenge, would you say? I can imagine it has been immensely difficult on many fronts. Yes, I mean, when we initially went into lockdown, it was um, supporting parents, supporting staff. You know, the staff obviously were very anxious about pay. Um, I would say I thought the furlough system was amazing um, and it was in so quickly and so easy to navigate. So as soon as, um, you know, I knew that and I knew that, you know, the staff would be paid, they were quite happy with that. Um, online um, connection with the children. So we, we did a Facebook story time and um, <clears throat> um, phone calls to parents to make sure they were all right. Again, we had some vulnerable parents, so it was supporting them um, daily with a phone call, um, but that was okay. My biggest challenge was when we opened up again. So we opened up on the 1st of June um, 20, and all the advice was that, you know, obviously we had to make sure the setting was clean and, and anti-backed regularly. But for us and for the children, um, we were not allowed to wear face masks. And that was really challenging because I have a number of staff who had par elderly parents staying with them. And the rest of the country was being told, you know, you all need um, PPE, you need to protect yourselves. And we actually had to go into the classroom with no protection. And I actually think during that time, we were the only industry that was told, don't protect yourself. And for the staff, that was a really, really hard message, you know, to say we've got to believe the science. And, you know, the science was right. At the time, we didn't have any COVID cases until actually the end of last year. 21 was the first time. We actually had staff off, off with COVID. But supporting them through that, encouraging them that they could come back to work, we were needed because we had uh, quite a few children whose parents were working for the NHS, working for the police, um, fire brigade. So for them to work, we needed to work. Um, but I must say, all my ladies were absolutely amazing and um Eventually, you know, we were all back in work and confident in what we were doing and providing the service that we needed to at the time. Mm. I can imagine certainly that despite all of the tragedy and all of the difficulty associated with COVID, that it's probably almost taught you an awful lot about sort of yourself as a company and yourself as a team. And people have really brought the best out in themselves during this uh, pandemic to sort of keep vital services running, such as the early years sector. And 
I suppose it's testament to the resilience of the industry as well that so many nurseries are still going despite the immense difficulty. And it's now time to hopefully reflect on the challenge of the pandemic and realise that this needs to be a watershed moment and we need to make sure that the funding is provided to make sure that we don't lose such an invaluable sector. 100% definitely. I, I think we are very much the unsung heroes, um, and that's my staff, um, 100%. I think we are taking for granted. You know, our qualification levels are high. Um, you know, I have a teaching degree. Um, um, my colleague has a teaching degree. You know, they're, all the staff are, are qualified and highly qualified. But there is an assumption that we do it because, you know, we're mums and, you know, it suits our hours. My my staff are all really de- dedicated, and we work very very hard, and we are a professional body. Um, you know, we have been inspected by Ofsted, and we have a very high rating with Ofsted. Um, but I think the government needs to recognise that, and I think actually society needs to recognise it. You know, friends of mine will laugh that I play with Play Doh all day. I don't. You know, we we work very very hard. We support the mental well-being of our children, and actually, we support parents an awful lot. Um, and I don't think that is is recognised at all. And I think that is one thing that society needs to recognise our industry as well. Um, for example, you know things like um, oh, in education, you know we should be teaching children um, I don't know, respect. Well, actually, parents need to be involved in that and the community needs to be involved in that. You know, the saying that it's community that brings up children is a very true one. But I think an awful lot of it is that we, we're we accountable. So, therefore, it is our job to do it. I think, actually, the most recent example of that is in our new curriculum. Um, education is now responsible for oral health in children. But actually, is that not the parents' responsibility? And mm. I think we we need to reflect on that as well as a society that this bringing up our children is a community thing and not just down to education. Yeah, I think the sector is moving far beyond its initial purposes, and in educationalists are now far more than that. They have to be mental health supporters. They have to be, you know, watching out for physical health, as you mentioned there. And when, you know, so much responsibility is being thrust upon that sector at large, I suppose the very least that it can ask is that it's adequately resourced in order to fulfil those obligations. Yes, definitely, definitely. I I, I really do think that, um, as you said earlier, you know, this is a turning point. Um, we, We need to reflect on how we're bringing up our children and not just, I don't know, palm them off in, into education is, is the right word, but I think um, parents and society think that, um, oh, they'll learn that in nursery, or I don't, I don't need to potty train them, they'll learn that in nursery, or I don't need to teach them to talk because they'll learn that in nursery. You know, and, and actually, you know, communication is a, a good one as an example. You know, years ago when I started, Children knew all their nursery rhymes. They came in with a good um, standard of language skills and communication skills. 
But that's definitely declined significantly, and it's actually declined significantly alongside the rising technology. Um, when I say to the children, you know, who has a bedtime story, less and less hands are going up. Who has a DVD or a film to go to bed with? And more hands are, are rising. And mm. I think actually we need to, to think about, you know, the times that, you know, parents need to be engaging with their parents and, and give the children time to talk about their day and what's happened. And I think that's decreasing in family life as we have more and more screen time. Mm. Yeah, I think with the rise and proliferation of technology, as much as it can bring benefits, we need to really look at those basics, don't we? And the sort of fabric of family life, I think that's incredibly important. And hopefully this can really be a turning point uh, because the pandemic has been a time where we've been able to self-reflect in that sense. And now is the time to really hopefully move forward and implement those changes for the better and the good of the industry and as hopefully, fingers crossed, we actually sort of see some of those changes implemented. I'd be interested to understand just before we wrap things up, Claire, um, what Little Burrows is going to be doing on the uh, the front line of that to sort of help instigate those changes, hopefully, and where exactly you'd like to be by maybe this time next year, where hopefully the situation is going to be looking a lot more positive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I suppose... I, I'm not a typical business owner. I'm not about expansion or or anything like that. I'm very happy with the two settings I have. Um, I love, you know, that we have these two diverse settings. One's in an area of deprivation. One is in, uh, you know, a, a more affluent area. They both have their challenges. I think really moving forward, um, the connection with our community hopefully will come back. You know, we used to go and, and do little concerts um, for an elderly lunch club that was in uh, one of the churches where we are. Um, so getting the community back again, um, inviting people back into the nursery. You know, we very much have had to be closed doors. So having parents' evenings again, having our little concerts or our, our tea time events so we can get that community spirit back again um, and going out in the community as well um, would be would be where I'd want to be be out by this time next year, which hopefully now, coming to the end of March, we'll be able to do. You would hope so, wouldn't you, with the removal of COVID restrictions now and hopefully, you know, the trajectory of that is only going to remain positive and we can decisively leave the pandemic behind and hopefully embrace some normality and enable organisations such as your own to sort of have that real community impact that it needs to have. Um, Claire, I have to say, I mean, it's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the show today to talk about um, Little Burrows, talk about some of those immense challenges that you're facing. And I do hope that we do see some real positive traction on that. And I'd actually relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show in future to sort of catch up on how that situation is developing. And fingers crossed, all being well, we'll be able to sort of talk about how some of those changes that we want to see have been implemented but let's just be hopeful for now yes well thank you very much for having me Scott thank you it's been wonderful Claire and uh, I'm sure the listeners also share my sentiments um, as well and do by all means take care and stay safe with all still going on and I'm sure we'll speak again lovely thank you 
It was an immense pleasure welcoming Claire Freeth, owner of Little Burrows Montessori Nurseries, onto today's programme. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview just as much as I. Um, if you are listening in today and you do have your own business or organisation and feel you might have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, to all of our listeners, please do take care and goodbye.